Hello, 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 and welcome back to another episode of the Bold Ambition Podcast. Today on the podcast, we have Chloe Brown. She is a YouTube personality. She has such a beautiful platform that she has created um, where she speaks a lot on self-love, self-acceptance, and just being authentic. And so this is a little bit different than what you normally have heard here on the Bold Ambition but I felt like it was very needed to, to have and for women to hear. And Chloe's story is definitely an amazing testimony of what she's been through and where she has come. And I think that um, everyone can listen to this and definitely take away some tangible tips on how to find their journey in self-love, whether you're whether you're starting out just now and you're having to figure out what can you do to go down this path or whether you're, you know, new or whether you are already this self-love junkie, I just want you to be able to take away something from this episode and I think that you will. Um one thing that I know that I took away from this episode is she talked about affirmations and I love affirmations, but she talked about them so beautifully and and she talked about how she would have to say them out loud to make them true and either say them out loud or write them down. And those are both very powerful ways to train your brain and how you um, think about yourself. So I hope that you enjoy this episode. As always, tag me in your Instagram stories. Let me know what you're loving about the episode. Let me know what you took away from the episode. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. So I will see you inside the episode. I'm Mindy Hancock mindset and life coach, and you're listening to the Bold Ambition Podcast. This podcast is a high vibe, expansive space for the bold, ambitious, badass, whatever it takes woman. Settle in. Let's do this thing. Hello, everyone. Today on the podcast, we have the gorgeous Chloe Brown. Hello, Chloe. Hi. Hi. So, guys, this is going to be a little bit of a different episode today. Um, We tend to stick with things um, with business or how you can manage side hustles and full-time careers, like how we can do it all. But I really feel like um, we need to kind of take a step back and talk a little bit about something totally off what we usually talk about, but on the topic of self-love and all things self-love. And I feel like Chloe Brown is one of the best people that I could think of that would be able to speak on this topic because I have been following Chloe for a really long time mm-hmm. and she is so inspiring. And before I really get into any of our self-love chat, I wanted to ask you, Chloe, can you tell the listeners um, who you are, your background, what's your story? Just tell us a little bit about you. Sure. So my name is Chloe Brown. Um, at, at the core, I am a wife. I am a mom. I'm a child of God. Those are things that I truly find my identity in. Um, but then also, I'm a person who has gone through a lot of struggle, as I know a lot of other people have too, but come out of that. Um, 
just with such a, a passion of loving vulnerability, loving authenticity, and trying to spread that in the world um, and not be afraid to hide the ugly parts of myself because they have made me who I am. And um, I'm just a person that's not ashamed of my past. I definitely believe in, in um, telling your story and that your story is, is worth telling. So that's kind of who I am at the core of, of me. Awesome. I love that. So first of all, if you guys could see her right now, let me just say she's so gorgeous and her hair is always like perfect. <laughs> I just love it so much. And she's the one that inspired oh, me you. to get the undercut. <laughs> and I love the undercut life. Life-changing, right? <laughs> it, is, it is. It's like so much less bulky. It feels great. Yeah. It definitely needs to be cut right now. That's what's happening next week. But, um, <laughs> but yes. Um, so first thing, let's just kind of jump into what does self-love mean to you and how did you really get into this? Um, I mean, cause I'm sure you have some sort of background that maybe if you want to share a little bit about how, where you were in terms of typically we have um, maybe a self-destructive past or something mm -hmm. that was mm -hmm. not so self-love <laughs> and then you kind of yeah. transitioned into that. So can you tell me a little, it's kind of a loaded question, but a little bit of sure. your background on that and then what that means to you. Sure. So, um, I, I didn't have the easiest childhood. I came from a broken home. Um, my parents got divorced when I was one. My mom got remarried. Uh, she had four more kids. And then um, after 10 years, they got a divorce too. And there was a lot of um, self-medicating in the process. So I was the oldest of those five kids and uh, just kind of felt like I had a lot of weight on my shoulders. But I also kind of was living a double life because I had the chaos of five kids being at my mom's house. And then I'd go to my dad's house on the weekend and it'd just be like quiet, peace. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know how to balance both of those because there were two very extreme ways of living. Mm -hmm. um, so that was kind of my childhood. Um, I didn't know right from wrong growing up. I kind of just went with my gut on, on how to do things. Um, but then that led me into an issue of control. And that's kind of my past, my background, because I felt like my whole life was out of control and so vastly different. I needed to take control um, for myself. And that's what led me to a lot of my issues. Um, like when, whenever um, I just deal with, with things, I would, I don't know, bring them into my own way of figuring things out. I don't know how right. to necessarily phrase that. Um, but Ultimately, down the road, um, I developed an eating disorder because of my control. So I found out that um, I, me and my husband just couldn't have kids, and, and I was really, really struggling because I felt like, um, I, I, I mean, backtrack, I had started going to counseling because of my broken past and stuff, and I just wanted to be a good wife, and I wanted to learn how to love my husband and respect him, and I felt like I was doing really good, but I didn't tell my counselor or my family or my husband about my eating disorder because that was one thing. I can let go of all the control of everything, but I wanted to keep one thing, and unfortunately, it was that. Um, so many years down the road, it led to a lot of different health issues. Um, it didn't help my infertility at all. It made it worse, obviously, um, and at 23 years old, my dad passed away and that was my bottom. And, um, he passed away unexpectedly. I didn't get to say goodbye. Um, 
it was just awful. But I realized in that moment he was used to save my life, to kind of just wake me up and really allow me to realize how important life is and how short it is and how it could be taken in a split second. So I decided in that moment I wanted to get healthy and I've been in recovery for five years. And so that is kind of my road to self-love is really, truly um, forgiving myself through the things that I, I have damaged myself in because I think I realized a lot of people in my past have hurt me and I'm sure all of us struggle with that, but I had hurt myself the worst. I was the one who damaged myself the worst out of anybody. And so I really needed to start the road to self-love by forgiving myself first. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of just how my self-love story happened and that's where it started. Um, and I'll save the rest, the good parts for a little later on a later question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Long-winded. Oh <laughs> no, no, I love it. And I love hearing the backstory of where you came from. And, you know, eating disorders, is, it's something that I feel like a lot of people probably struggle with at some point and they don't ever actually say anything about them. And you held that in yeah. for a really long yeah, time. And I did. Mm, that's definitely something that's so powerful right there. And the fact that, I mean, I do, I do feel like every person in their life is going to have that defining moment of when enough is enough. When is, you know, what's going to wake you up? And unfortunately, obviously at 23 and you had been holding this in and controlling this one thing. And I do, I do see where it's like, you're trying to control something. And that is the only thing that you could control at that point. And when you finally had that time that you just like, okay, this is, this is it. I'm going to get help. How, how was that, um, that moment? Like when you finally decided that I'm going to get help and then I'm going to figure out what this the new normal is going to be for me. Um, and sure. I'm going to figure out how to give up this control. What did that look like for you? For me, it was like, it was weird. It was a weird moment because I knew for months I had, I had admitted to myself that I had my eating disorder. I knew it, you know, I had alopecia and that's what the doctor said I had, but it was malnourishment. I was really, really sick. I was in another doctors all the time and trying to, put band-aids on a situation, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so in my, in my soul, I felt myself screaming, like the little girl inside of me saying, just say it, just tell somebody, just do it. But then my mind would be like, no, everybody's going to hate me. They, you know, what's my husband going to think of me? What's my family? Blah, blah, blah. And I remember one night as I was binge eating, <laughs> it was right after my dad passed away and me and my husband were just playing cards at the table, just trying to get our minds off of stuff. And I just said it. And I said, honey, I struggle and I've been struggling with an eating disorder and I did not want to say it. Mm. I did not. Um, I wanted to keep it still, but I knew that that was the start. And honestly, that night was the biggest release of anything I've ever felt. I kind of just felt like I wasn't alone. Mm -hmm. Um, But I knew that the next few days, the next few months, that would be the true test. And um, So for me, admitting that was just complete surrender, just surrender. You know, like when, um, I don't know, I just kind of felt like I was just face down on the floor, like, like a servant would be to their king, you know, just showing the back of my neck being like, I trust that you are a good king and you won't chop off my neck with your sword. 
And that's kind of felt like, I felt like that's where I was at. Just like kneel down on the floor, like super vulnerable. Like everybody knows every single part of me, please don't kill me for this. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's how I felt just full surrender or surrendering to a cop, you know, like hands up in the air, face down on the floor. Like I just felt like I, I couldn't, I couldn't do it anymore. And it wasn't, yeah, just admitting that full surrender. Yeah. It was a freeing experience. It was freeing. I I can definitely relate in a, in a different way. And I feel like, um, when you say like, just kind of releasing it and surrendering finally, I feel like for me, mine was, mine is not an eating disorder, but having anxiety and finally like, yeah, just saying like, okay, I'm like this, I've been trying to hold this in for a really long time and trying to figure out how to manage this all Uh on my own. And I can't because, but in my head, it was all about control. Same thing of if I say it out loud, it makes it real. If I say it It out loud, it makes it true. You can't hide it. You can't hide it anymore. (laughs) Right. And then I thought, well, what does this mean? Does this mean, does this define me? And did you ever go Mm -hmm. through that? Like, okay, now I am going to be Chloe, the girl with the eating disorder. Is that what you felt like? Cause I felt like now I was going to walk around and have this like a on my forehead and everybody would be like, oh, she has anxiety. And now everyone knows that's what was keeping me from scarlet letter. Yeah. That's what I felt like. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and I knew people weren't going to look at me the same. Um, and they didn't, and that's okay. Right. Um, it doesn't mean I kind of had to, to, I had to learn, um, because in the beginning, I think when you go through any type of recovery, whether it be anxiety, accepting that you have anxiety, depression, or an eating disorder, or even, you know, alcoholism or, or a substance abuse, um, you become really vulnerable Mm -hmm. and you're kind of taught to talk about it. And in the beginning, sometimes we end up talking about it a little too much just because it's so new um, and we're trying to get comfortable in it. And that's where we see people kind of scoot away or maybe we feel like our story's too much. And then we put up walls and we never talk about it again because we're scared. Um, but I think just learning to forgive yourself in the beginning and being comfortable with who you are because your story is your story. No matter your background, mm-hmm. it's who you are. It's who you were made to be and you always are learning from it. So in the beginning for me, I definitely had to learn who to talk to about my story and who to not learn social cues when to stop talking about it. Um, I think for me, I was just, I was in bondage for so long. I had all this weight and then it was just like lifted off and I wanted to tell everybody like the redeeming factors of what has happened in my life. And I had to learn that I know, but not everybody needs to hear it. And my story is not for everybody, um, but there is a time and a place to share. Right. Absolutely. I love that you said that because I, I can relate 100% on all of that. Like just feeling like, ah, just now I had to let this out. Now mm-hmm. who can't, I just feel like it, I don't know. I just felt like I talked about it because once I did, it was like, it was almost therapeutic too, to talk about it. Yeah. So then you naturally want to talk about it more and then but definitely picking up on those social cues or figuring out like when people are like, okay, whoa, like let's stop talking about it. Like this isn't all you are. Mm -hmm. And then I had to also the same thing. You had to start remembering to forgive yourself and say, this is okay. This is not define me. I am who I am. And I'm, you know, Mm -hmm. I am, I am beautiful the way that I was made. And this is just a part of my story, but it doesn't define who I am. Sure. And so that kind of brings me into, um, 
one of the things, guys, that Chloe, we'll get to at the end, we'll talk about all the ways that you can find her because you'll definitely want to find her and check her out at the end of this. But I do want to say that she does have um, this slogan and I just absolutely love it. And it's <laughs> called Wear Your Brokenness Beautifully. And when I first saw it, I was like, oh my gosh, this is, it's just so powerful and it's so, it's just a gorgeously said statement. And I just wanted to ask like, oh, your, thank you. Yeah. Like what, what brought, like where that came from? Like, how did you, I mean, obviously it, it fits so perfectly, but just kind of tell me the background on that. And then let's just kind of, I want to hear what you have to say about that. Yeah, I think, um, my whole goal behind it was to remember we were born to be real and not perfect. And I've heard that slogan so many times and I've lived it and, you know, in the past five years and I've truly believed that, you know, like I'm born to be real, not perfect. Um, but kind of going deeper into that, I think society tells us to not show our ugly parts, to not show our broken parts. Society says, you know, let's, let's keep you in a box, you know, let's, let's keep up with the celebrities. Let's, let's put a filter on your face. Mm. Let's, um, put all the makeup on. Oh, you have acne. Let's cover it and not tell people about it. Let's keep it hidden. Um, I talk about acne cause I've been struggling with it for the past like six months or so. Um, so for me, I needed to learn that society sucks and what they teach you is a lie and nobody should ever live a lie. You know, like you can't be perfect, but you do have a story and a lot of people's story is broken. And if you choose to not tell your story and be ashamed of it and hide it and put it in a closet and never open it, then you're doing the whole world a disservice. So we should choose to wear our brokenness beautifully, put it out on the outside, don't hide it, but be, be proud of it because that's made you who you are. So that's kind of where I came up with that. Um, I just, I don't know, I wear it and, I, and I'm not ashamed of it and I'm proud of it. And every single day I'm making strides to be a healthier version of me. Yeah. And I feel like that's all that we can do at this point, but just always yeah. strive to be the best, your best self. And I yeah. love that. I love that you said that, well, there was a couple of things when you were talking that I'm like, yes, we need to go there. <laughs> but <laughs> what I want to say is I feel like you kind of tapped a little bit on that comparisonitis that, oh, oh yeah. You know, in the day, like now in today's times, we have all the social media we have all the scrolling all day long that we do, and we sometimes find ourselves in that mindless scroll, and we're just scrolling Instagram, we're scrolling Facebook, and we're just looking at all the things, and then you find yourself subconsciously telling yourself that I'm not as good as her, or I'm not as pretty Absolutely. as her. I'll never be able to you know, wear, you know, fix my makeup like her, or whatever the thing is, um, and it's, oh, it just, it kills me because... I have been so guilty of that. And I can't say that even now, like I, I've come a long way when used to, I felt like uh -huh. it would very much take over like, okay, I am definitely not as good as her. And then I would definitely hear that negative self-talk um, inside of talking about how bad, how I'm not as good or not as beautiful or whatever, not as skinny, whatever the case is. 
but now I, every once in a while I'll see myself think of think that way, but I, I've learned to check myself and be like, okay, it's be self aware. Yeah. Yeah. Learning, learning yeah. to check yourself is huge because, and I always, I've heard that, that, um, quote over and over that comparison is the thief of joy. And it's so true. And so did you find yourself doing the same thing? I mean, what is your take on that? Because I know it's something that's so, so, so yeah. rare, I feel like in social media these days. I think that you're making a great point. And I think that, um, social media is great until it's not right. It is a great tool that is used. It is amazing, but it is also so damaging. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the damaging parts is definitely the comparison. Um, I found myself doing this. Of course, I'm in the beauty community. You know, we have a group of women who, you know, I am very close knit to, and it's hard not to compare yourself or numbers. Mm -hmm. Um, I think a lot of children are now trained to find their worth and how many likes and comments they get on their Twitter posts or their Instagram, you know, stories or how many people view your stories, how many people are, you know, all, it's all a number game. Um, but also I don't think people talk enough about, um, how much of a team, how many pictures you have to take in order to get like one good picture. Mm -hmm. For me, I mean, I take about 20 pictures and then there's one out of the 20 that I use, you know, and, you know, there's lighting editing that goes into that and, um, you know, whatever. Um, but I found myself, um, falling into the trap of comparison, not because people are doing things bad. There are amazing accounts who do great things that I'm just triggered by. And like, it, it was weird because when I, when I was in this eating disorder, you know, recovery, I started following a lot of people who, um, were in eating disorder recovery too. And everything that they were doing was absolutely fantastic, but I had to find myself unfollowing them, not because what they were doing was bad, but because it triggered me. And I just wanted to feel normal. And I didn't want to feel like I was constantly reminded that I was, that I was the eating disorder girl Mm. or fitness, fitness, you know, pages, they are amazing and they do amazing things and they help so many people. But for me, that was a huge trigger for me. So I had to start unfollowing those fitness accounts. Like I said, not because they did anything bad, just because it was hurtful to me. Also, another thing that I don't think people talk about enough is people who Instagram their house. Mm. The people who have the perfect houses and it's decorated amazingly and they get sent all of this beautiful artwork to decorate their house as ads. We are all following all the farmhouse stuff. It's beautiful. We all want that. But then like we compare our own little houses and our laundry piles on the ground and we're like, well, Joanna Gaines has it all together. Why can't I? Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that's something we don't talk about enough too is like being a mom, you know, um, wanting my house to look in order, trying to work and all this stuff. It's like, there's so many good things out there that are always, they're, they're good, but to each their own, everybody has their own struggles and everybody has their own triggers. And Instagram should be a place where it's uplifting, where you open your Instagram and you are encouraged by the people that you follow. Um, you know, so I, I encourage you to unfollow people who make you compare yourself, not because of anything that they're doing is bad, just because you have, you know, some heart issues that you know what I mean? Does that I, make sense? I 100% know what you mean. And I know that the, the listeners are hearing you and they're feeling you and they know exactly what you mean too, because 
what I, I feel the same way, like as far as unfollowing. And for me, I've even said like, I don't have, like, I am pretty much, and I feel like too, when I follow you, number one, following you, when you say Instagram should be inspiring and uplifting. And I feel like you bring a lot of that to Instagram. And I feel like your followers, followers follow you because of that. Not only are you inspiring, you're motivating, you. but you're real. Like we've all seen you, Thank you. Um, especially like, I want to go back to when you were going, um, I think it was because of the acne you were talking about earlier that you were going without yeah. makeup and you were very open yeah. about that and you didn't hide it. You didn't, you know, yeah. filter yourself. You were very real and mm -hmm. open and vulnerable and that's powerful. And a lot of people are so afraid to do that. And you showed up, yeah. your followers saw that that was something huge. And I, I mean, I commend you for that because there's so many people, Thank people out there that would, would not do that. So I do agree that Instagram and Facebook and all social media has its place and it has its perks and it has pros, but it definitely has a lot of cons. And when I yeah. talk to people, I'm like, my Instagram is pretty real. I mean, I'm very real. I'm not like, and I don't have the perfect house and I'm not posting all of those kinds of things. But I always say that if for some reason I trigger you, unfollow me too. Like, I'm, absolutely. Like, absolutely. I don't want to be somebody's trigger. And I know exactly what it feels like to do to see somebody that becomes a trigger. And the most powerful, powerful thing that I can do or that you can do is unfollow them. Yeah. Because you're not getting anywhere every time they show up on your feed. And then I feel like, too, when it goes back to the house thing, I have followed so many people that I would begin to feel like, Oh, you know, like I remember when I got married, we, we bought this house that was a fixer upper and we've done so much work to it. And it's done, it's come a long way in the 10 year, almost 10 years that we've been married. But I would see all of these houses and these people that were buying these brand new houses. And like you mm -hmm. said, farmhouse. And I'm like, Oh, thinking the same way. And it's, it's almost like we start to live in this, like, well, I, I feel like it's this, it's a fake reality really is what it is. It's this, this like, mm -hmm. sub I don't even know what the word I'm trying to come up with. And <laughs> I hope that you're following me here. All of you. Like a fantasy. <laughs> yes. A fantasy, like a fake reality. Mm -hmm. It's a fantasy. And we begin to believe that we, because we don't have, we aren't worthy. Because, Absolutely. You know, we, we don't do this or we don't like, don't look like this or we aren't, you know, and the fitness accounts, like I've, been in fitness. And when I see like, I've done CrossFit, when I see CrossFitters, you know, doing all this stuff, I remember mm -hmm. comparing myself to them and then unfollowing because I'm like, I'll never be there. And that's okay. I, sure. I, I also don't have the desire. Absolutely. So it was just yeah. hard because even though you don't have the desire to be somewhere, you can still find yourself comparing. So, oh my yeah. gosh, so much goodness there. Um, but I do want to ask you how, kind of taking a step back from self-love for a second, what led you to, um, doing the YouTube beauty channel? Like how, what led you to, have you always been like sure in the beauty background? Have you been a hairdresser? Like what's your story in that part? Um, so none of the above. <laughs> <laughs> um, so for me, I have always been a creative individual. Now by that, I just mean like, I just have a crafty I have like crafty fingers. Like I have to do something. Um, I have to, ex that's the way I express myself. I express myself in, in things. And, um, so when I became a mom, 
I thought that I was going to be like this amazing super mom. I mean, we suffered, we struggled with the infertility for four and a half years. So I thought that that was just going to be my end all be all. Like I'm going to be a mom and this, this will be enough. Like I'd wanted this for so long and this is, this is enough. But my identity is not a mother. My identity is Chloe. Who is Chloe? I'm still creative. I still need that creative outlet. I still want to be a full-time mom, you know, stay at home mom. And I still am. But I felt like I needed some type of creative outlet. And I spend the majority of my time watching YouTube videos. Now, whether that be learning how to change the light bulbs in my car or fixing my oven or just YouTuber families that I follow that I'm really encouraged by, I always find myself on YouTube instead of watching TV. Like, that's my TV. And so I've always wanted to be a part of the community, but I was always scared. Like, I was like, nobody's going to follow me. Like, nobody cares. I'm just this little girl who doesn't really have much to talk about. I had no direction in the beginning. If you watch my first YouTube videos, they're just like Q and A. Oh, I'm getting ready with me. Like I remember getting my first Morphe palette and I just like did a funny, like the first makeup video I ever did was just hilarious. And I literally was just like making fun of myself the whole time. But that's me. Like I just love doing that kind of stuff. I'm really silly. Um, and so I just kind of ran with it and started doing a whole bunch of different things. And I had really long hair, like not really long, but it was, you know, uh, below my shoulders. And um, it wasn't until I got my hair cut that like people really showed interest. And I don't know why um, people like short hair so much, <laughs> but I've, or at the time I didn't, I was like, gosh, why is everybody asking me for like tutorials? But I just kind of ran with it. And I was like, okay. Um, ultimately in the beginning for my YouTube, I wanted to tell my story, but I didn't want to like come out in the beginning and be like, this is my story. It's really heavy. It's really ugly. It's really deep. Continue following me. Like, no, that's too much. <laughs> so it was kind of like a, a bait and switch kind of thing. I had to have people trust me and trust my character and trust that I wasn't trying to just like monetize on my story because that's not my, that wasn't my whole goal. I did want to encourage people. I knew that my story was impactful at some point. And if it changed one person's life, then it was worth it. Right. But I needed to gain trust for my audience before I kind of put it all out there. Um, so yeah, it was the short hair that kind of gained my following. Um, and a lot of people really like the short hair tutorials. But my whole motive behind everything was to, sh to prove that you could still be in the beauty community, but be authentic. And you could still be in the beauty community and not be perfect. Mm. And I still don't know what I'm doing, but, <laughs> you know, um, it, it just comes and it goes. Like, you kind of just work with it and um, never change your core values. You know, don't be right. persuaded by numbers or by opportunities. Um, for me, I have turned down way more opportunities than I've accepted. Um, and that's because I want to keep my authenticity. Mm -hmm. um, I don't want to become an ad page. You know, I, I want I want to do more than just make money. Right, that right. You don't want to be like constant swipe up, swipe up for this and swipe no. up. Like, yes, it, it does take away from, but, and that's where I say like your account is very, like I, 
I've said it already twice, but like, it's just very, um, open and real and very, Thanks. like, I feel like you show us all parts of you. So, um, yeah. it, and you definitely, like, I can see where you try to, that's very important to you and you can tell that it's important for you to show who you are and be authentic. And, and I do, um, definitely think for those of you listening, we've talked about authenticity more than one time on the podcast, but, um, I feel like authenticity is something that not only goes hand in hand, like it go in life you want you need to be authentic, but also in business. And if you're going to be online mm-hmm. and you're trying to sell mm-hmm. online, you're trying to um, sell a service, or you're trying to sell a product, whatever it is, being authentic behind it is key because if somebody doesn't trust you, they don't like you, they don't, you know, they have to like, know, and trust mm-hmm. you before they're going to actually do anything for you, or they're actually going to, Absolutely. you know, whip out their credit card and buy whatever you're, you're offering here. So authenticity is definitely key and you definitely show that. Um, so I wanted to ask when you did start all of this YouTube channel and then did you ever expect it to take off? Like it did, did you ever expect to like gain these followers and people like, like you never expected like everybody wanting these tutorials and everybody wanting. No, 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 no. No, I did not at all. I remember when I hit 500 subscribers on YouTube, I like had a party. Yeah. Like, and I think that that, that's important to remember is small victories are huge Mm -hmm. and numbers aren't everything. And, um, I just remember telling my husband, I was like, if I get 500 subscribers, like I am good. Like I'm set. And I'm almost to 70,000 on YouTube. And that blows my mind mm-hmm. that I have a platform to where I can encourage women. Like that's amazing. And yeah. you know, and it could be in the smallest way of women just like gaining courage to just cut their hair because they hide behind it. And that's enough for me. That is enough for you to take a risk in your life and chop off the thing that you've been hiding behind. Yes, mm-hmm. that's enough. So I think it's very important to remember that numbers aren't numbers. There's people. The numbers are people and they have real lives and they are real and they are going through their own things. And it's not just a number. Mm -hmm. And that's what keeps me going. Yes. Yes. I love that. And that goes back to when you were talking about um, kids, you know, kids now, they, they think a lot about numbers and like, oh, I have X amount of followers. And when you actually think about it and you take a step back and you say, well, I might have, you know, 1000 followers, but that's 1000 people, 1000 lives that are investing into your energy. So whether it's 1000, it's 500, or if it's 70,000, those are people who are, who chose to be in your energy. So like, absolutely. So whatever your platform is, um, be authentic mm-hmm. and, and just do you is how I feel. But, yeah. um, so I wanted to ask you going back to, um, being a mom, what is, mm-hmm. the, um, if you could tell your child something, um, in regards to what you hope for them in the future, oh. what they, you know, what you want them to see themselves as like, where, what is your, like, what would you want them to? to, to, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So for me, I, I did not feel beautiful as a child. 
And so I remember, especially with my eating disorder recovery, I never want my daughter to struggle with any of this, but I don't have control over that. Right. Right. But I can teach her who she is and that she is not merely beautiful on the outside, but it's who she is on the inside. It's her heart. It's her strength. It's her bravery. It's her wisdom. It's Jesus. Right. And that's who makes her beautiful. And so we say that every single night. And as I'm saying it to her, I'm like, honey, you are brave. And you know, she, she started doing it when she was like six months and she'd like put her arms up in the air and she'd be like, brave, you know, and you are strong. And she showed me her muscles and then we're like, you are happy. And she, you know, show me her cheeks, but it's true. I think that teaching people, teaching, you know, little girls, especially that their beauty is not merely on the outside, but it's in everything, in every part of their being. Um, that's what's most important to me for teaching my daughter. If, if I don't teach her anything else in the world, I just pray that she knows that her worth is more than just what she looks like or what somebody says she is. Um, because she's going to experience some pretty, pretty tough crap when she gets older. And sure. it's that strength and that bravery that's going to be absolutely the thing that I admire the most in her. Mm. She already shows it and she's three years old. Goodness gracious. <laughs> <laughs> and you are instilling that in her already. Like just, I love that you're showing her these affirmations like so early on in life. Like, and I feel like affirmations is something that have helped me too. Like just telling myself, yeah. like, changing that, that narrative inside of you and like what you have either been conditioned to believe about yourself because of outside yeah. sources or what you've told yourself. And so if you're, if you were to talk to someone who has a very um, so low self-esteem or their negative self-talk is just so mm -hmm. bad right now and they're like, they want to come out of it. They want to figure out how to love themselves and accept themselves for who they are. Like, what would be your tip at this point? Like, if you're like, I know that you are not in this space of like, I love myself and I think I'm great. What would be your tip to help someone at least start down that path. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be, you know, no. all beaches, but it's no. going to, it's going to be some work, but what would be your tip? Yeah. I think that the hardest part is the beginning, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Starting, um, realizing the way that we talk to ourselves is awful. We are so bad. Um, we always pick ourselves apart. We always compare. So my thing that helped me, and then I always tell people too, is look at yourself in the mirror. Mm no makeup on. You could be naked, whatever, get out of the shower, whatever. Right. And talk to yourself, but tell yourself things that are good. Even if you don't believe them, speak them out loud because the more that you talk to yourself in the mirror and you start hearing these things over time, you'll start to believe them because those are the truths, you know, but we've yeah. been believing a lie for so long. So for me, it was the most awkward thing, but it helped me so much just to believe that like, I am worthy. I am beautiful. And just because I have a few extra pounds on me doesn't mean that, you know, my life is over and I need to keep self-harming. Like, no, like I am okay the way that I am. And my story is going to be, you know, changing people's lives, even if it is just one person. And so talking in, out loud, talking in the mirror, yes. this really helped me. Um, I think it's so powerful when stuff is stuck in our mind and we just spit it out. Because once we spit it out of our mouths, it becomes truth. And my counselor told me this too. It's like, whatever is in your mind, if it's like a negative self-talk, just write it down or speak it out. Because once you speak it out or write it down, your mind does not fixate on it anymore. Right. So writing down all the ugly parts, 
that you think you are and just burning it and then speaking out truth is so important. And then one day you'll be able to look back and be like, I started there, but now look at me. Like I'm thankful that I went through all of that crap because I'm proud of who I am today. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. That is, that was perfect. Like that's exactly (laughs) what I would expect you to say. But that's what I tell my clients too. And they're like, I'm not worthy or I can't do this or whatever. I say either A, say it out loud to yourself in the mirror or B, tell yourself on why you think you're not and then journal on why you think you are. Like journal the truth, like journal both. And either one works. And I say the same thing and it's perfect. Like it's so powerful. It can be one thing where you think it and you're thinking, oh, I am worthy. I am worthy. But are you really? Like you have to convince yourself. Because it's you have to all- retrain your brain. <laughs> yes, absolutely. You have to completely yeah. like rewrite your whole story at that point because yeah. what has been doesn't always have to be. And so, absolutely. It, but it is, it is work and it is hard and we do have to definitely do the work in order to make it happen. And you can't just do it one time and say, okay, now I love yeah. myself because it's not going to be that easy. Um, but yeah. yeah, that is perfect. Oh my goodness. I am, have enjoyed having you on here so, so much. Um, it's, been a, it's been a blessing. Absolutely. Yes. I'm so glad you came on. But I typically always hate to end podcast interviews because I feel like I could just stay on them all the whole time and just like forever talk about all of the things. <laughs> but I always, I know that they have to end. And so for me and like to wait, the way to like turn my brain off of what we're talking about is I end my podcast with three really random questions that have nothing to do with what we've been talking about. So I love that. (laughs) The first question is what is your favorite word? Oh, my favorite word resilience. Ooh, that's a good one. That is a good one. Mm -hmm. And it goes perfectly with today's episode as well. Um, Mm -hmm. question number two is what is your favorite sound? Oh, um, I really like the sound of cicadas. Oh, wow. It's like, yeah, bugs. Yes. Yeah. I really like them. Wow. I don't like the bug itself, but I know what you're no. talking about. I oh, like the sound. No, no, no. The sound is great. Yeah. <laughs> the bug, the sound so is, <laughs> yeah, there's something peaceful about it. I don't know. It's just kind of like music. Yeah. Okay. Last question. This one's really random, but your bedroom, your car or your desk, which one do you clean first? Oh, none of them. <laughs> Uh, I know. I'm like, definitely um, not my car. I'm like, just talking it, about it's, it. It's probably my desk. It's okay. probably my desk. Not often. I mean, those are like my three places I like live, you know? Mm-hmm. I know. I don't me know. too. I'm sitting on my bed right now and it is not clean. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you. I feel you. I'm like, I always ask that question that I'm always like, if they ever ask me, my answer is going to be probably none of them, but <laughs> because yeah. it's the same thing, like my car is a, is a hot mess. And I actually, when I got home today, right before our interview, I like looked in my car and I was like, this has got to be taken care of sometime soon. Right. Ridiculous, Gosh. But- I have a three-year-old and it's like, my car is her car, you know, <laughs> it's her stuff. Right. Right. Well, thank you so much for being here. Yeah. It's been thank you. such an honor to have you on here. And for those of you who are listening and are like, okay, tell me all the things Chloe Brown. Let me find her. How can I follow her? How can I see all these hair tutorials? Where can they find you? So on Instagram, I am at Chloe, C-H-L-O-E. My middle initial is Nicole or 
it's N. So it's Chloe N Brown, like the color. So that's where you can find me on Instagram. And then on YouTube, it's just Chloe Brown. Awesome. Well, thank you yeah. very much. And guys, go find her, follow her. You're going to love her. I'm so excited that you, oh, thank you came on here and spoke on the podcast. So thank you so much for being oh, It was my pleasure. It was awesome. my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. And I'll see you guys on the next episode. <laughs>